the Podfix Network. Hello and welcome to episode 249 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking, from indie film to studio films and everything in between, how to get them made, how to make them, how to try not to F it up, in our very, very humble opinion. I am delighted today because it is the release of the movie Repeat. I am delighted today because it is the release of the movie Repeat. I, I won't do it anymore. It is out everyone this wonderful wonderful sci-fi movie it is available now on sky movies or on apple links to both of those will be in the show notes because we have a very special episode for you today we have on writer and director of repeat richard miller and he sits down with myself and fellow producer lucinda rhodes takra to talk about how we made it and not only that but we have on lead actors, Tom England, star of Cosmos before repeat, and the delightful, the fabulous Charlotte Ritchie, who has starred on TV in Feel Good, Dead Pixels, Call the Midwife, and Ghosts. Oh, yes. The buzz is exciting. We've had four-star reviews everywhere. We had a 10 out of 10 from Film Threat. For fuck's sake, this is insanely good. The film did win at the Audience Award at the London Sci-Fi Film Festival recently. Tom uh, England has been nominated for Best Actor at the Sydney Sci-Fi Film Festival and at the moment we're nominated for Best Film at the Birmingham International Film Festival. It is really cool. This film is ace. It's, it was made on next to nothing. Like literally zero peanuts. It, you wouldn't even call it a micro budget. Zero budget. And it's doing really well. And this is a success story of how you can do it too. You get off your ass, you believe in your project, you believe in yourself, and you can do it. I repeat that. Get off your ass and do it. Because you can. Believe in yourselves, people. Make it happen. I love doing these ones, a little retrospective of how we, uh, the hosts of these the, these podcasts for you, actually made the films. And we can sometimes go into more details for you, a little bit more insight. We talk about on the podcast today how Richard Miller wrote and directed this film. We talk about why on his first feature, Never Rumble, he filmed it over a year and how difficult that was and how he preferred shooting this movie in less than two weeks. <laughs> we also talk about why on a small budget you definitely do enough. You do so much, you do everything. We dive into that and also why you need to take stock and just take a minute away from your film. Maybe before you dive into the edit, maybe before release. You've just got to take stock of everything and how important that is. Charlotte Ritchie talks about why you should treat every job the same, no matter what the budget or scale and what she looks for in directors. At Tom England, he talks about the emotional beats and getting into character. All that is to come for you on this week's Filmmakers Podcast. I am Giles Alderson, I'm writer, director and a producer. If you don't know by now, I have directed the movies The Dare, Arthur and Merlin, The Stranger in Our Bed, Wolves of War, which I've just delivered my director's cut. 
and that was kind of frightening but exciting at the same time. So that is delivered now, I'm waiting for notes uh, and then we'll carry on with the edit. I produced a serial killer's guide to life followers, uh, Three Day Millionaire, which is now in post. We had a post chat today about delivery on that film, but we've just started on the post. We've just started on the edits, so early days. And I'm the producer of Repeat, uh, which is what this podcast is all about. So I'm here to inspire you uh, creatively to make sure that you're still moving forward with your projects because it's so important for me that you do that and let me know how you're getting on do it is vital uh, speaking of which so many lovely people have done that this week because last week's episode uh with alice eve double header alice eve the wonderful hollywood actress and the fantastic director jp watts talking about the war below i had so much love for both those episodes and dom's first solo interview Everyone loved that. <laughs> nice one. So huge congrats to you, Dom. He'll be back very soon. It is our 250th episode uh, next week, by the way. We're still trying to get a special guest for you. We're trying to line that up for you, for me. I want a special guest on. We're trying to line that up, so fingers crossed. But it's our 250th, so do support us online, on our socials, and do give us a shout out, because we've done it every Tuesday for you for 250 bloody episodes. As a shout out this week to Rob Warsey, Kian O'Leary. I met him at the Ari VFX day. Hey, Kian, lovely to meet you. Uh, and thank you for saying hello. Shout out to Kelly Pendigraft. Um, coming over to New Mexico to see her very soon. She'll be producing myself and Richard on one of our upcoming projects. I'll tell you about that very soon. Uh, Tim Fellingham, shout out to you. Shout out to Colin Gowdy, who is the editor of Star Wars Rogue One and Monsters, by the way, who sent me a lovely message to uh, to let us know that it's Trans Awareness Week this week. Right now, um, it is happening. And he mentioned a couple of films on Netflix that, that would be good for people to watch. One is called Disclosure. It's on Netflix right now. It's a documentary entry and the other on BBC iPlayer is called Storyville. Uh, links to both of those will probably be in the show notes but if not check them out. And do remember on our Patreon we have so many bonus clips. Some of these episodes will record for over two hours or up to two hours anyway. And uh, so there's so much in there that Toby our wonderful editor and then Hugh our marketing guy puts on to Patreon. So there's so much on there. So go join, go support that, but also you're going to get so much more from it as well. Uh, it is the Filmmakers Podcast forward slash Patreon or the other way around. Link to that is in the show notes, of course. And it's Christmas coming up, so we're giving you 15% off our merchandise. So if you've got a filmmaker friend, if you want something for yourself or a gift to ask your partner to get, then go to our website, check out our merchandise, and on there there's some brilliant t-shirts and mugs and things that you can use on set. Bits and pieces like that, at the moment. If there's anything on there you want, you get 15% off with the code Xmas. X-M-A-S. There you go. Right, here it is. Let's get to our episode with myself, Lucinda Rose Takra, and the director and writer of Repeat, Richard Miller, and the two stars of Repeat, Tom England and Charlotte Ritchie. Enjoy. Hello, Richard. How are you, buddy? Excellent. Thank you. Yourself? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Not too bad. Lucinda's here with us as well. Hi, you guys. Hi, yeah. Um, you've got your dogs behind you. Well, they've just moved, but there they are. Yeah, yeah. On the on the move, they always are. Soon, as soon as I start to do something, they decide they need to go and walk around the room or get out of the room that the door's shut on. And you're a very active, busy man, so I imagine they're constantly up and down then. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I noticed we're all in lovely colours today. Look at that. Orange hoodie, pink hoodie, and a green hoodie. There you go. The listeners have to guess who's wearing which <laughs> colour. <laughs> yeah. 
no uh, prizes. No, they can win a prize if they make, if they get it right. Yeah, they can win a signed DVD of Repeat. Of Repeat, you're giving one away straight away. All right, there we go. We're like traffic lights. I mean, I've got loads of Arthur and Merlin's away as well, but that's long gone. <laughs> I think we should keep it fresh. I've got loads of those to give away. Like you have just a stack. No one wants those ones. <laughs> so look, we're here to talk about Repeat, which is amazing because it's out now in the UK and Ireland, but it'll be out in America on Friday. So on the 19th, it'll be available in the US and Canada as well, which is incredible because this is a low budget indie film, really low budget. This is micro budget. This isn't even a budget budget, right? This is making a movie for love and care and wanting to go make a brilliant story and tell it well. And I'm super proud of this movie. I am. I think it's incredible. I really think you've done a brilliant job. And I think you should be very proud of what you've achieved, in my opinion. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm just pleased for the team. I think it's been a real team cooperation, this film, because, as you said, with a really small budget, you can't have this resting on one person's shoulders. So I've said it so many times that if we had one less crew member, one less person involved in it, we just wouldn't have been able to create it. So it's, yeah. it's a credit to everybody involved. You had quite a small team anyway, didn't you, Richard? Tell us who was part of the team. Besides yourselves, we had uh, Kimberly, my partner, who was a production mm -hmm. designer, um, costume, and as Giles knows as well, caterer uh, throughout the project. Which I enjoyed the food when I was there. Yeah. It was very nice. And she also, I mean, technically, she's produced it with yourself as well. There's no That's question lovely. about that. You know, you are producing the movie when you're doing everything and organising it. Um, and yeah, that's lovely. Who else did you have? We had Laura, who um, was our um, first AD. Again, we, we you know we had to double up on so many jobs, so it's easy to say this was their job title. But you know, she also helped write the write the film, come up with a lot with our ideas for it. Um, and um, Grant Archer, our cinematographer slash uh, co-director. And um, then we we had uh, Paul on sound. That's that was that was it for what was there on the day. So it was a super super small team incredible wow. paul, paul caton who has just finished our uh, three-day millionaire a movie with us a sound guy brilliant guy hilarious as well it's just just so nice that this the small team and i think what sort of lucinda and i have been doing over the years as well is collecting wonderful crew members so that when a film like this does come along you can sort of go hey is does anyone fancy this? Look, this is an amazing script. You want to get involved. And I think that's nice as well. It's that sort of little camaraderie. But Richard, you put together an amazing team yourself on this. And I, I really like the team as well. And when we had, I say premiere, when we had the uh, the London sci-fi screening, the world premieres, we called it. Which, which did Repeat win? Repeat did win. Richard, Woo! what did it win? Audience award, which Woo! is uh, very special. It is the best award. The Dare won the Audience Award as well, and I think oh, it's the best award. Cut that, Toby. So, let's, let's jump back then and talk about you and you as a filmmaker and how you started and why you wanted to do this crazy world. And, you know, and then we'll talk about how Repeat came about. Yeah, so, I mean, I've been making films for longer than probably most people around, but it doesn't mean I've got the most experience. Because you're 179 now. Feels, <laughs> well, it feels like it after Repeat. Um, yes. So we started making films in, I think it was around 2002, 2003, something like that. Whenever <laughs> 28 Days Later came out and it was right. like one of the first big digital uh, films, it was like, it, that's what it was pushed as and it was on a BBC website. And I was really, I loved films. I literally recorded everything from TV when I was a kid on VHS, everything. I'd get, I'd get the, the paper and highlight every film on that week and then 
But it was never like the sort of thing that you could go and do. It just wasn't in my sphere of, of, mm. of knowledge. Um, and then when that story came out on the BBC website, I said to a few friends, let's have a, let's have a crack. And we made a load of really, really shit films for, for a while. Um, and then we sure. started to get better and better. Um, and then it, it, it really, you know, we won a couple of awards for like 20, um, 24 hour films and 48 hour films and short films like that. And then we made Never Rumble in about 2012. And as you say, it was, it was a gainer. That was a very, very, very small budget film but it was a good exercise in learning of how to make a film and how not to make a film why did you want to do a feature at that point was that something that you were making all these shorts but you were like look i want to i want to go make a feature was it that passion in you that just went i'm just going to go make never run mole i'm just going to go do it if you're making films you want an audience for films and you know at that time youtube was was, was starting to grow but it still wasn't massive even in 2012 um mm -hmm. and you just want people to see stuff and people see features that you know that don't go hunting out short films so if, you, if you're making something, you want them to be seen. And that, that was the main thing is I wanted to start scaling up what we have and people see what we, we could do. Then you went on to uh, make a second feature film. Or was that repeat? Was your second? Is that right? Repeat, yeah. Re repeat was our second. We made. Then we started to really like improve the quality of the shorts that we did after Never Rumble. Um, drastically improved. If repeat was your second movie, who did you take with you on your journey from Never Rumble onto? Repeats. Did you use a similar crew? The only similar crew that we that we took from Neville Rumble was as literally my partner. That that was that was it. So I co-directed Neville Rumble, and and that director went and did like some some uh, very different type of films. And then we didn't have a professional sound guy. We had a, a, a you know we filmed in we filmed in a storage container for two weeks in the middle of summer. So he never came Oof. back um, because he was literally <laughs> drenched with sweat every single day in in a hot box. Um, yeah. but it, 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 you know it wasn't professionally recorded sound but it was really well done but that was you know we had to step up the the experience levels for this because we knew that the time that we had um, for filming it was going to be very very limited so we we had to make less mistakes also you shot in lockdown too yeah <laughs> so i think we were one of the first films to shoot in lockdown i think uh you know we engaged with you guys and then we were trying to find out between us you know what are the guidelines now because they were so woolly at the time on what mm. you could and couldn't do um and nobody's fault it was it was tv was just starting to to, to gear back up to, sh to shoot again and you had to get all those permissions for our lovely leading lady charlotte to come from her was she on the netflix show at the time i think richard wasn't she she was about to go and do feel good shoot straight right. after our shoot like straight mm. after our shoot so you, you negotiated with net with 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 her agent so that we could uh we, sh we could literally get her on board with all the safeguards to make sure yeah. that you know we weren't going to set back a something that had significantly larger budget than our own uh, <laughs> film <laughs> well look come in we'll come back to repeat in a minute but i, I want to talk about never rumble I, well, I wanted to talk about the first film because it is so hard to do that. And I wanted to know what you learned and I wanted to know what you took away as a director. And I know you want to scale up, but in terms of the feeling and approach, maybe your shot list, what changed for you? What made you think, okay, here's how I could do it better. Here's what I could differ from my uh, work last time. The main thing that we said to all of the crew and all the people involved was we were going to make it in a set period of time. Neville Rumble was filmed over around a year and it feels like you've never got a full stop on when it's going to finish. 
and mm. um, keeping the enthusiasm. And, and you know, you, you got people, a lot of people working for free and just dragging them back constantly. So we wanted mm. to make something in a short, short period of, of time in comparison um, and, and film it you know, with a real schedule rather than weekends and evenings. And because, you know, we, we had full-time jobs, it had to be a case of take time off work. We're just going to make a film for this one based on Never Rumble, just whenever we could fit something in. So that was the main That the must main take be away. a nightmare for continuity. And because people's weight can go up and down, people's hairstyles change. Mm-hmm. There's all of that, isn't it? De- definitely. We, 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 you know, we, for Never Rumble, we had a guy who was, he was a photographer but also a model and an actor. So he was changing his look. He wanted to change his look constantly. And he'd like dyed his hair for this film and he'd like like the same sort of look for a year. And he, a lot of his work was modeling. So it's like, mm. luckily, you know, he, he, he really committed to it, but you're asking a lot of people and you're asking a lot mm. of people for, for next to nothing. And that's, so there was a lot, there was a lot around making sure that we inconvenient people as little as possible um, for on this project compared to what we were doing before. Um, and again, ju- just working with people that were better than I was on this project, people who had more experience, people who could bring things to the party. Because mm-hmm. uh, you always want to be, you know, I think, I think that's it. one of the sayings is you want to be the stupidest person in the room because that's what you're going you're gonna, to you're be learning off everybody around you. I want people in the room that are going to bring something to the project. And um, mm. that that's what we tried to do from, you know, what we did initially to, you know, the director leads everything, I think, but you want your team to bring as much to the party as possible. Well, it makes you better, doesn't it? As And it, and it, it teaches you uh, different skills. And, and that's the point is to always grow as, as a director, as a producer, you know, production manager, whatever, always work with people that you can help you just, just, better skills, better learning, everything like that. Great advice and so true. Let's talk about repeat then. Why don't you give us a little rundown of the story and then we'll play the trailer. I think writing a synopsis for something is the most difficult thing in the world. So saying a synopsis is even harder. Uh, That's why I just read them sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Professor Ryan Moore, he discovers a way to speak to the dead via one of his zany experiments. But that is unfortunately timed with the uh, disappearance of his daughter. You know, earlier you were asking if Sam was... uh wasn't still here. Ryan. I was testing the machine. Where do we go when we die? Our bodies stay here, but our consciousness, our soul, spirit, whatever you want to call it, we now know that it doesn't just switch off. I first discovered an infinitely complex amount of noise floating around us, essentially everywhere. And tests showed that this noise formed strings of information. But it was operating at a level that we couldn't reach. Until now. I didn't know what you did. I should have listened to you. 
you've spoken to someone you've lost. Amazing. Uh, that was the trailer there, um, which was actually cut by yourself. Is that right? Of course it was. <laughs> right. Let's talk about how it came about. Obviously, after Never Rumble, you were, look, you, you didn't have a too terrible experience that you didn't want to do it again. And you want to up your game and you're always making things anyway. But let's talk about how repeat came about. You want to make sci-fi. You had this even idea. So how did you put it down? How did you get through that initial seed of an idea to then putting it down to making that a proper, proper story. I had Laura to bounce ideas off. Um, mm. Again, Laura's the same sort of person as me. She'll watch ev everything and anything. Um, so a great soundboard to just ask questions of and, and we just bounce ideas between each other. Uh, but I do like to sit down and just see how far I get uh, before I get stuck on a script. I'm not, I, I don't... I think in the future I may start to, you know, create scenes on a on a on a board and and then put them together. After that, I don't think it would have worked for repeat because of how it evolved. But it was literally just a white piece of paper and go on from that. And then mm. a lot of it was what could we do to make this more interesting? Now this is a very linear story. What can we do to make it more interesting? Yeah, it goes from A to B, but we want to do something a bit more interesting with it. And that was halfway through. We just stopped and thought, well, what can we add as a layer? Did you work with Tom England, um, who played Ryan Moore on the script at all? Because Tom was involved at quite an early stage, if I remember. Yeah, he was. He was. I, I'd seen Tom in um, Cosmos. Well, I'd actually seen him in the trailer um, for Cosmos. And straight away, I thought in the trailer, he was striking. He just looked like a, a leading man for, from that. I saw the the film and he was actually in um the us for the premiere they had over there as soon as he got back we arranged a meeting with him um over in birmingham to say would you be interested in this and as you said the script at that time was very very thin um it had everything there but it didn't it didn't have some of the motivations for the characters mm. and that's what tom brought to the party um tom's a writer as well and tom brought a lot of the what's the mo what's his character's motivation versus the person he's speaking to and i think that he did bring a lot more of of that whereas i probably brought the structure he brought the the ideas of what's that character thinking at that time um and i think working with actors who are writers as well you know like yourself for uh, giles it really it really helped from that perspective what is that what is the point of this conversation it's not just to move the narrative on it was mm. to actually you know, they've both got a view in, in the room. That's fascinating. Well, let's talk about how you came to us then. Let's talk a little bit about that because you, like you said there, you got an idea, you got the script or you got an semblance of a script, an idea, and you'd worked on that and you brought on Tom uh, to play Ryan to help you develop it even further. But now you're at that point where you go, okay, and you're saying, you know, you want to go further. How do we make this bigger perhaps? How do we get more people on board who can help? How did you then approach people how did you then bring myself and Lucinda on board I, th I think at the time we'd we'd already which we'll never ever do again we'd engaged actors via Twitter um, I thought <laughs> you were going to say I'd never bring you two on again uh, don't way. need to because I've already <laughs> got you on board now um, <laughs> <It's too late>. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we'd brought actors on board via Twitter which was an admin nightmare, but also it gave us probably more choice than we could ever have had. For How do you mean? Talk, what do you mean you brought on actors via Twitter? What so, does that mean? So we 
again, it was it was quiet at the time for for acting. So we put out a few tweets looking for for the roles that, that were on our website, and we were absolutely inundated with. I think we had like fifteen hundred in total applications wow. for it. Um, and again, really naive. When we did this for what characters for, for for all of them apart from Ryan, really, and we were quite naive, I think, because again, back in two thousand and twelve, nobody was really using Twitter then. So you know, it was all these things were just starting to take off. So when we put this advert out, we just never thought we were going to get this many replies because we struggled to get actors for the last thing, and then mm. this we we had so many applications for it. But the quality was insane. You know, the amount of quality that's out there for for people that are looking for roles. But it just made it very very difficult because we tried to be personable with everybody as well. We we tried to get back to the every single person and we were do, we were doing uh, self tape so it was just a i think an admin nightmare really because right. you you want to put yourself forwards in the best possible light to these people because you may work with them in the future but it was also very difficult to do that and i think it was it was difficult for people that you you know you might miss one person out of all of that pot and it, and it came across badly because we weren't using a tool to get back to people and i know it you know actors don't always expect to hear something bad but we tried to be something different so that was that was a challenge but we used twitter a lot you know that's how i contacted you you giles because we listened to the to the podcast and mm-hmm. um we just it was a it was a case of we needed to to step up and we didn't know what we didn't know and that was the case. You know, what what is it that we are missing from the team that we need to be able to do to create this? Because logistically, we know how to, to put a, a film together. Um, mm-hmm. But what other things do we not know? And that's how do you get experienced actors on board? How do you put together a, a budget? What things do you need to think about from a legalities perspective? We just didn't have that knowledge. I like that. I like that you're very honest about that because it's so true, isn't it? When we think we do. And I think it's great that we aim high as filmmakers when we're starting out. We aim like we know what we're talking about. We know what we're doing. But actually, we don't. Until you've done it, there's a lot you don't really know. And it's so nice when someone goes, actually, I don't know. And you were so honest and open. That's what I really liked about you from the start was you went, look, of course we could probably do this, but actually I'd like some help here. We, we, you know, we struggle in these areas. Can you help? And that's what makes a better film as well, isn't it, Exactly. Yeah. People are being very honest and saying, look, I I, I don't actually know here. Can you help me? Rather than going, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. And then just mucking it up or pretending and feeling that way. It's, It's honestly so much better to be honest in this business as much as you can, you know, about your limitations. It can cost more as well. You make those mistakes because you, you, you don't, people are afraid to say they don't know. And it does, it it can have, you know, a knock on effect for time, for cost. Yeah. Uh, You could fall out with people because you've said things that are not the right thing to say and, and all of those different things. So I think a great lesson to, to be learned and to tell all of our listeners is please don't be afraid to ask somebody if you don't know if you're sitting in a meeting also mm-hmm. and somebody uses a buzz term that yep. you don't know just ask because no one's going to think you're stupid and if they do think you're stupid they're not the person you want to work with so so true amen amen indeed there's a big difference between confidence and ego 
And sometimes you need to be, show confidence in front of people to get them on board and to make, you know, make them think that, you, you know, you can produce what you want to be producing. But ego just stands in the way of progress in so yeah. many cases. And you can see it, can't you, Lucinda, all the time? You know, you'll speak to directors, writers all the time about working together and producers and you can see through it. It's a really strange thing where you sort of go, okay, I like totally. you, you seem great, but actually your ego is getting in the way of this. And we sort of pull away from that straight away and go, oh, do you know what? It's two years of my life, maybe more. Do I really want to do this? You know, it's a really fine balance as a creator not to come across too, I don't know, it's difficult, isn't it? That word, the ego, the needy. Well, everyone has an ego. It's just, and I, and I do believe managing that. It. And, yeah. and it's about managing it because yeah. you have to have an ego in order to do what we do. Yep. Um, but all walks of life to do, you know, to be in a position of authority, of helping people, whatever you want to call it is, you know, it, everybody has one. And it's just about letting it come out when it needs to come out and putting it back in its box when it needs to stay back in its box. So true. So you, you wrote to me on Twitter and I've actually just found the tweet that you sent me. Read it, read it. This was uh, 9th of May, 2020. Uh, loving your rain dance chat. Don't know what that was. I uh, think it was <laughs> live on Instagram. <laughs> I think it's a live on Instagram. I was live on Instagram, but you'd already heard the podcast, so you knew who I was, right? Or knew of, right, okay. Um, would you be interested in reading our script? We are looking for producers to come on board as a micro-budget, high-quality, in brackets, feature film. I'm sure you're inundated with this kind of message, so no problem. If it's negative, Keep it up. Cool. Short, sweet, to the point. I like it. My response? Way too busy. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Way too big time for this shit. No, I just put, yeah, send me a pitch deck. Sounds great. And you did. And I, I, what I really liked about that, again, it was your honesty and open. It's very simple, very quick. But you also then presented me something really nice on the email. And I went, ooh, this could be really good. And I remember reading the synopsis for it and thinking, I like the idea of this sci-fi. Uh, and there was something about you I liked. I don't know. It just got that vibe straight away. And then I spoke to Lucinda and said, hey, do you want to, um, would this might be of interest to you? And we then loved we all it, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, we loved it. We said, actually, we, we could do this and we could help, um, you know, in the little way that we could help, you know, whatever it was, we were like, actually, let's help. Because the project was so strong you know, in terms of the script and you knew how you were going to do it. You got your money in place. You got your location in place. You just needed some help with bits and pieces and tying it all up. And <gasps> Tell us about the location. You're sat in it right now, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about this because you actually turned your house upside down, made it a movie set, changed the different rooms, production designed it all yourself, you and Kimberly Thurlows. I remember we were on a Zoom on the Tuesday and then we had a HODs do's H-O-D's. H-O-D's. start again. Tell me, keep that in. <laughs> Two days later, being on a H-O-D Zoom, and you were sitting in the same room, and it was completely different. Yeah. So so the one thing that we did have, and we always meant to do this, was, you know, we, we live in a, a decent-sized property with some um, some extra rooms. but Up north, may we add, just so we know. Into, so well, more the middle. But it is the middle. Of, yeah, it's the it's the north of the middle. Yeah, we literally just changed every room that we could that we knew we knew that we were going to have to do for the film um, into a set. So whether that be a psychiatrist's office, somebody else's living room, turn my editing room around into a, a set for a university, um, little girl's bedroom, everything was put here. That was before COVID was really starting to lock things down to stop. Uh, you know stop you having to have different locations it was just a case of 
anything that we didn't need to move kit around for was going to save us time. So we just redecorated the house. Now we were going to originally start shooting three or four months earlier. So we, we had to live mm. around a film set really and what was the delay it was the pandemic wasn't it it's yeah literally the pandemic but we wouldn't have had you guys on board without that because we would have started with what we had the pandemic massively helped from a well let's stop and see what we can use this time for clever very clever i love that and anyone listening what i mean it's not that easy to shoot in your own house for sure and obviously i i've been to richard's house which and kimberly's house and it's it's a nice big country house when you see the film you see it in there I mean, I say country, but in terms of it's a nice size house. So therefore you could still live in it and not turn everything upside down. If you're in one room, yeah, sure, that's going to be difficult. But what was clever about what Rich and Kimberly did was that they used what they had to their advantage. They used what was around them to make this doable. Locations are expensive. So suddenly now they've got their own locations already for free. That cuts your budget already massively. Unit moves, gone. You know, everything was set in this place. You redid the garage out into Habit, his, his science lab. You know, that's clever. It meant you could control the light. You could control the time when you were filming there. And Kimberly could cook the food when she wasn't doing everything else. <laughs> if I was a listener to this episode, I would, in my head, be worried about the difference with how you and Kimberly were able to switch off because you were living in your workspace. So how could you close the door, if you like, and go up the stairs to bed in this same environment that mm. you were prepping in, shooting in? It's very difficult. And I know it's hard to switch off when you're shooting a movie, but you have to have some downtime. So how did you manage that? I didn't have any downtime, that's for sure. <laughs> My brain could not <laughs> no, turn off. No, you were editing at night. You were. You were <laughs> I, I, I was crazy. putting together rushes together yeah, in the evening. But it worked. I mean, that's the thing. You're saying that, but you have now delivered a brilliant film like that you should be very proud of. I, I really believe that. And as much as you're saying maybe you feel like you shouldn't work that way, but what you achieved is huge so it's that fine balance isn't it well we had everybody stay with us tom was sleeping in like the little girl's bedroom yeah so we had he had a bed next to a bed that we took apart like when we were filming in there so and then we had the sound guy in another room but again all of this because we were having to create a bubble for covid so mm. it was it was there was advantages off the back of disadvantages constantly throughout everything that we were doing so no downtime there was pretty much not much from us <laughs> to answer the question that she was no, burning, really it was much more I'm interesting answer. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true we are concerned for you. actually that is something uh, let's talk about that for a minute then you saying i actually worked too hard or I burnt myself out. Talk us through that because it can be depressing when you finish a film. It can bring you down because you've done all that excitement of making the film, you've got through it and now you've got to cut it together and you've missed things or you're not happy with how it looks. Talk us through that because you just said there how much you know you potentially work too hard. Yeah, I, I think that that was the main thing, you know, when we have a larger budget in the future is to have that time to have a gap from being a director picking up the kit, moving things between rooms. You ne your brain never switches off, um, so you don't get to process things. And if you're not careful, and I don't think we did have this prob problem because we were mindful of it in advance, but you've got to think that you're working with people who have also got needs around you at the same time, who've got questions that need to know what's happening Definitely. the next day. And if you're not creating that, that room in the environment for that to happen, then that, that I can see being a problem. Luckily, it's something that we did, you know, we, we, were, we were catering for, but you need to make sure you've got room for just processing 
and just processing what's going on around you. There was a writer-director that was on here a while ago, and I will never forget what he said. And I think it was Alex Neuer. Yeah, Sound of Violence, Alex Neuer. Yeah. And he said one thing, hold a little bit of contingency back for yourself because you are giving so much as a producer or as a director. So you must remember to hold some contingency back. And also another producer said to Giles when he was shooting um, Stranger in Our Bed was just take five minutes to step back and look Mm -hmm. at what you are achieving. And there are two things to think about as well when the budgets are going up. Save a little bit of contingency because you're trying to look after everybody and also enjoy and have the time to for it to process and take those five minutes or 30 seconds to go, look what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you did, but having the bigger budget and the more team members would definitely help that. Do you agree, Richard? A hundred, hundred percent. I mean, it was it was one of the most, you know, my birthday came in the, in the middle of this stuff as well. So it was like the best birthday you could ever ever have Mm. um because it was such a shit year running up to this to then get to a point where you've got such a wonderful thing that you've been wanting to do for so long happen um and you're right it's it's having that time for yourself to make sure you soak it all in because you're doing this for yourself at the same time is you want to make a film so if you just let it rush over you then it's a wasted experience at the end of the day it's so true yeah it is it's really important to take that moment but it is really hard when you're in the middle of it or or you're in the evening after you've shot, or when you're in the edit, it's very difficult to take stock. And when uh, Dean Fisher, that producer on The Stranger in Our Bed, said to me, you know, have a look around, look at this. I, I actually couldn't at the time. I wish I could. I- 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 maybe I did because I can remember it really clearly, but I had two minutes to get five shots or whatever it was. I think so, you were in a graveyard and it was pouring down with rain. Exactly. That I was literally in a grave at the time that we dug and I was really worried that the actors were going to get stuck and stuff. So there was a lot going on, but I, so I got you thought you point. were in your own grave. I was literally digging my own grave as a great metaphor for that moment. And, and Dean actually dug that grave. But I, I think it's, it is important, but it's really hard to do in that moment. But as filmmakers, we do have to do it because it's such an achievement to make a film. It's such an achievement to be in that position where we get to say action or we get to cut our own films or we get to deliver the film and people get to watch it. And we'll always be negative. There'll always be people giving you crap for it, but ignore them. You've got to try and ignore them and focus on the positive, which is, hey, until you do it, you don't know what I've been through. You have no idea. No idea at all. To be all arty-farty, I think, I think if you're constantly looking ahead of you of what you've got to do next, you don't look back, you don't realise what you've achieved because you can't, yeah. you can't see what you've just gone and done to get to this point and sometimes it is about just taking stock and that's why i've connected to even more directors and more, more people working in film that were my that's my sort of level in the last year and people who are going to make their first films and you, you just want to push them on and go just go and just go and do it now because you've got the ability there's so many directors that are far better than me that that you just go just go and make a film now because You've got so many shorts that are fantastic. I want to see what you, you're going to go and do. But it's the fear, isn't it, Richard? I, I think some people are just go and do it and some people talk about doing it, you know, and the fear of going and doing it and failing is sometimes bigger mm-hmm. than the fear of going and doing it and not doing it. You know what I mean? That fear of, oh, well, one day I'll go do that. One day I'll be a feature filmmaker. And that's what I implore all our listeners to do is to go, if I really want to do this, it's sod, sod that. Do you know what? If that's what you want to do. Embrace that fear and embrace the fact that it might fail. All right. It might fail, but at least I gave it a go. I don't get to 85 and go, oh, I could have been a filmmaker. Go be a filmmaker mm. and then work out if it's for you or not. 
That's what also, I think. Also, you're talking about um, connecting and, and networking, if you like. Uh, it was great that Richard and I worked to, together on repeat um, because Richard and I, Richard came and edited another film. So mm-hmm. that led on to something else, which is brilliant. Code of Silence, which is out in uh, December the 27th, I believe, Lucinda. It's it a good is. plug there for it. Well done. Thank, thank you. You see what I did there. And Richard <laughs> it's was good fabulous. Podcasting. That's good presenting. <laughs> <laughs> you wondered why you had me on here, didn't you? <laughs> I always do. Yeah. So, ah! <laughs> Toby. we've spoken a lot about um the process in taking us up to day one of the shoot and we've spoken about tom and we've kind of mentioned charlotte ritchie um are we um gonna have a little surprise on this podcast giles alderson do we have an appearance from our leads we might very well have an appearance from our two leads of repeat which is out now everywhere pretty much so yes uh, we have asked charlotte ritchie and tom england the stars of repeat to come and join us so they should be joining us so actually i magic them in the room should we do should we, oh. oh hang on let's not yes. magic them let's use the transporter system that ryan does in the film right here we go i'm putting in that listen to this right that that's a bit of dna charlotte's dna there's a bit of tom's yep. dna Okay, there we go. Right, I'm putting that in the machine. I'm pressing the buttons. Oh. <laughs> and sci-fi sounds. And here they are. Magically. Onto the Filmmakers Podcast. It is our two leads of Repeat the Movie, Tom England and Charlotte Richie! Hello! Hello! Hiya. Hiya. Welcome back to Earth. Hi, guys. How are we? We good? Very good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, good. Yes, good. Thank you. Yeah, Raring to go. Raring yeah. to go. And I'm yeah. so excited because Repeat is out now. Hooray! <gasps> <gasps> yeah, how do we feel? How do we feel Repeat is out? I mean, how good does it feel? It feels good. It feels, it feels good. good. I'm excited, man. I'm excited yeah, to see too. what people think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the buzz has been good so far. These reviews coming through, four-star reviews, pretty much across the board, says a lot. Audience yeah. award. Tom, you've been nominated for Best Actor and something like that, you know what I mean? The- oh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm big news in the, the Sydney sci-fi community. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, too right. Too right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly. <laughs> That's the way to go. But also, you only shot a year ago. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. movie has been shot. It's gone through post. It's been delivered. Everyone can now see it all in a year. I know, Tom, you were on an early stage much earlier than, than Charlotte and you were going through your character development with Richard on script, but wow, such a quick turnaround. That's amazing. It's amazing that it's it's come around that quickly. I can't believe it's been a whole year. I mean, and what a year it's been. (laughs) I know, it's been bad. Yeah, yeah, it really has. It hasn't stopped. We we were talking earlier about potentially this might be one of the first sort of COVID movies or first movie that was shot during COVID. I know Temple had started and a couple of other movies maybe, but it was certainly one of the first. How did it feel, I suppose, to jump into that you know what i mean you're suddenly going oh god i still want to act but at the same time and i know Charlotte, you're going off to do feel good straight after as well so there's that worry yeah. for us as well is you know how are we going to manage that how are we going to you know all masked up it worked yeah. out totally fine but can you remember how that felt suddenly to go back on set and be near people yeah no it felt great man to be honest like i was just having just the most horrible time in lockdowns <laughs> like, oh i thought you were going to say like on set one. then <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, I hated it. I hated every minute of it. No, honestly, man, I was, I was. So, it was so nice for me. It came as a really welcome break. So I stayed with 
rich and Kim as well, like whilst we were filming. So it mm. just felt lovely. It felt like a holiday. I just had everything taken care of. There's yeah. something about me that I just love sort of being a child. Mm. Yeah. And they just prepared meals, yeah. made my bed for me. It was just oh, perfect. Really? I'm yeah, I was, honestly, I, tell, I, didn't, I haven't told anybody that. You should be but, ashamed. You know, <laughs> listen, no shame here, mate. No, I'll tell you. Lovely. I know you can tell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How did you feel? Yeah, I mean, I was absolutely, I mean, I was so excited to just go and do some work. And I think I'd done uh, Taskmaster. I'd done mm. a bit of that just before, I think. And that was so surreal because you couldn't go near anybody. And it was just so tense all the time. Like life was just so tense. And so to know, to all kind of get tested before and then all just be in this bubble for 10 days, it was honestly like, it was it was otherworldly. Mm-hmm. It was a really special experience. And I was so nervous and we had, I had not that much time kind of leading up into it. And, and obviously the film has got, there's so much there. It's so sort of, there's so much depth to it that you, you kind of have to really throw yourself in. So after like months of, apart from Taskmaster, which is basically sort of pissing around for quite a lot of it, <laughs> I, had, I had sat on the floor of my bedroom a lot and had forgotten how to act. So um, so it was pretty thrilling. It was pretty thrilling, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it yeah. was just amazing from the beginning. I just knew it would be, and it, and it was, yeah, it was a wonderful experience. How did it feel when you got the script through then? Let's talk about that because I know, uh, Tom, you worked on the script with Rich as well, developing the character. But for you, Charlotte, getting that script through, because it's so important, you know, especially where you're at with your career and thinking about what project to do next, et cetera, et cetera. Getting scripts mm. through, you sort of got to, you can be choosy or you can say, oh, maybe not that one. This is where I want to go or I'm doing this before. What was it about this that stood out for you? What was it that, that made you think, yeah, I'm going to spend 10 days in a house? In yes, with Tom England. With Tom England. <laughs> well, I actually didn't know Tom England. Oh, I didn't know Tom at that point. So, that. Uh, <laughs> no, that was that was a, that was a real treat to meet Tom. Um, but but in terms of the script, it was sorry that sounded sarcastic. It's not sarcastic. At all. Um, I, she says. <laughs> yeah, she can't say that. Yeah. <laughs> I um I loved the script because oh yeah because it does it all starts from that. Mm. Um, it was detailed and it was nuanced. And it was really, it was, it was a great concept. And I thought the characters were, were really well uh, uh, realized and like, yeah, it was just a good script. And, uh, and then I met Rich and he was really great and we got on really well. And it was so clearly a passion project. And I love that, you know, everyone doing it, everyone involved is like extremely passionate uh, about the sort of craft of it. And that appealed to me hugely. And it did help that Tom and I spoke on the phone and immediately got on really well, which was, which was the dream. So yeah, but it was, it started with the script. I think no matter the scale of a project, it has to be good to start with. And Mm. I felt the character was really beautiful and it was so sad and yeah, yeah, it was just great. And then it did turn out to be great which is always good. <laughs> we, we all attended the world premiere at the London Sci-Fi Festival. Was it last week or the week before? I don't know now. Time has gone on my A couple of weeks ago. I think. It was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. And that, because Charlotte, that was the first time you'd seen it. Uh, Tom, was it the first time you'd, oh no, you'd seen it up no, in... I'd seen it, yeah. I'd seen it. I'd seen it once before, yeah. Which was good, man. And to, to see it the first time in front of those people is terrifying. I mean. Yeah, talk us through that because that's always interesting, I think, as an actor, what you think you've, done and what you think you've delivered and then obviously you then see it on the screen and obviously the editor in this case Richard or and the director can pick out and choose whatever you want trim characters down and stuff it must it's always frightening it always was for me 
And what's it like for you guys? Yeah, it was. It's it's always terrifying to see yourself in anything. Um, it's it's pretty it's pretty difficult. I find it very difficult to watch myself. But I think because I didn't know what to expect after you know we'd be sort of checked in here and there. But I get so nervous about how I've done in things. I kind of just have to wait and close my eyes until I see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean that I didn't sort of need to worry because I think just seeing the journey I mean knowing that there were points where I was like lying on the floor for two hours clicking a light switch on and off in the back of Tom's scene <laughs> like that and then translating it to the screen and the job that Rich has done um it's just yeah it was it was it was such an amazing I don't know yeah you do you sort of wait with beta breath and then it was I really loved it mm. and that's such a relief <laughs> obviously yes. um but also just to have great feedback but I loved watching it it was really yeah, it was, I was nervous and then it ended up being great. More of a relief to me. The relief was probably biggest to me than anybody else because it's like, <laughs> yeah. well, I really hope that Charlotte doesn't fucking hate this film because uh, <laughs> I don't care yeah, about you, Tom. I mean, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, guys, come on. I'm come right on. here. Tom, how did, you, how did you find it? Yeah, I loved it. I, I think I'm always just hoping that things aren't awful. You know, my sort of yardstick <laughs> is very low. It's just like, as long as it's not shit, I'm yeah. fine. I'm fine with that. I mean, yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where my where my mind goes. But I think I think honestly, it was such a wonderful thing to make the film. And I've tried to make a switch in my head with everything I do, like now on, of just like the thrill of it is the making of the thing. And actually just the the outcome that people see is for them. It's not for me, you know. It can be just be what it is. Mm. You know? And that actually the sort of joy of it will not be any different for me whether the film's fantastic or i'm fantastic in the film or not because the joy of it was was making it and will be kind of shared between us who made it and it's a really unique experience and will remain so forever you know so like that's you know i say that but then if i was watching it and i was terrible i'd probably feel awful. <laughs> yeah i was just thinking that <laughs> no, it's easy to say that you it's know, easy but to say when you're no <laughs> it's true it's try true. very hard no it's true it's totally true it was a very it, it's exactly right i remember thinking when we finished it no matter how this turns out this has been the most amazing experience um, mm-hmm. Which is a nice feeling. It is and so important. And what was it like to work with um, the legend that is uh, Nina Wadia? She was so great. She was great. Yeah, she had such a good vibe. Didn't she, she? Did. Yeah, yeah, she really like, did. What a warmth. Because when a new character comes in, it injects some. Because you're shooting together, and and Charlotte and and Tom, you're there kind of more or less the whole time. But then a new character comes in, and especially you know the person that she is, she must have injected some you know something fresh and. Yeah, I mean, she I, I, she was astounding. She was so good. She came in just straight off the bat and did an amazing performance, didn't she? Yeah, she did. It was mad. It was so like, you're yeah. like, okay, that's how you do it. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's an actor there. We're going up to here. Yeah, yeah. Up yeah. To yeah. It's so hard to do like, they, they call them day player roles. In this case, it wasn't. But you said that where you've got to go into someone else's sort of film and you've, you've got a day to sort of stamp your mark do your part and and we've all done them and it's really difficult so yeah i thought she did wonderfully well but um any tips for when you have to do that is there anything that you go oh actually this helps me uh, get through is there anything you've learned from doing anything like that i think like when you meet people who have like a, a huge amount of experiences you just have to be kind of desperately humble you know and be like okay cool like what's their what's their vibe and how can i learn from this person and just mm. be excited by that and honestly not to kind of blow smoke up your ass but i kind of felt like that around charlotte as well because it's like 
I haven't that done is. that much. No, but genuinely, I haven't done. I haven't done much at all, kind of TV and film acting. You should have. So you're suddenly. You're you will be. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Oh, guys, thank you. <laughs> you're, you're, you're suddenly like working with these people who've got loads of experience and done really cool stuff, and you think like, what a wonderful opportunity to kind of soak this up, and you won't have the chance to do it again. And thankfully, Charlotte and Nina were lovely, so you're able to learn a lot quicker because you're not terrified. You can just be soft and go like, oh, wow, that's really interesting what they're doing there. And they've got like a real commitment and honesty and bravery. I think that was with Nina. I was like, wow, mm -hmm. so bold to turn yeah. up mm -hmm. and just commit fully to an emotion straight yeah. away because that's scary. You know, like no matter mm -hmm. how experienced you are, that, that must be so intimidating. And actually, that's the biggest thing to just be like, you know what? I'll just be bold you know, yeah. and just go at it. And you think, oh, cool. Because then... It, gave me permission to be like, oh, yeah, I can, I, I'm allowed to do that. Like, I don't yeah. need to be worried just because I like these people and they're my friends. I don't need to be embarrassed around them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was a big, that's a huge thing, isn't it? It's just overcoming that. I felt like I definitely had to push through that as a kind of, you just, you, there's so much, like fear is so inhibiting. And you're mm, right. I felt time. like that just watching somebody come in and not have any. And I suppose you just have to as quickly as possible put it in the bin because, all, all the fear is just going to manifest as like, it's just going to do make the thing happen that you're most afraid of. Yeah. So you have to just kind of, I think that's right. In terms of being a day, a person that comes in just for a sort of a day or two, it's just knowing that everyone is willing you to immediately do, like get involved and mm -hmm. that any hesitation will just only work against you. But it's so much easier said than done, isn't it? It's so nice though when you see it because in my mind, if you come in and like hit the ground running with things, sometimes there's a reservation of like, you're going to be appear, like you're going to appear arrogant or sort of like your energy is going to be wrong or something. Right, but right. actually when you see someone do it with like a real kindness yeah. and yeah. gentleness at the same time, you think like, they just have like a, a confidence and they enjoy what they do and they just commit to it. And you don't, you obviously don't read it as arrogance. You read it as someone who's incredibly professional and really good at what they, they do. They and it's, do it's lovely. Job. Yeah. yeah, it's great. I also think it's like make like treating every job um, with the same level of sort of um, commitment mm. and respect. And I think that sometimes, especially as kind of it, with independent films and stuff, I think that it, it's like even more so the case that everyone there is doing it because they're really passionate about it. And I think that brings with it a kind of investment that is can sometimes be sort of taken for granted a bit, mm. you know? And I think that makes a big difference is being just when you're in for one day, being as prepared as possible and like kind of being as invested as possible beforehand is really great. Because I think it's easy, especially if people come in just for one day to kind of go, oh, it's just a day's work. I'll nip in, nip out. And that was like never the case with anyone that came in for no, the I film. Think, I think it came across the, the mm. respect and professionalism and intelligence that both yourself and Nina brought to the projects. You know, we, we were a small project, but you came in and treated it with the res respect of what, of everybody on on set was there to try and make something brilliant regardless of you know it being done for for pennies and we we're going to ask you to lie on a floor and switch <laughs> a, a light bulb on and off um, it's that's that's the good stuff though that's so that was yeah. so fun i loved doing that that's what's great about indie films what does it what is it you look for from directors generally in projects you know because every actor does work differently there's there's no question about it but what do you look for what is it you want from a director i think it's it really varies it depends on the project um i think it's a very difficult it is really personal to each actor and personally i like a sort of a, unfortunately a real mix of hands-off and hands-on 
in terms of like guidance. So being left to formulate your own opinions mm-hmm. and feelings about a character so that it becomes kind of personal to you and you feel like you have autonomy over it, but also definitely being there to tell you when you've done a bad take and you need to go again. And I think it's a tough, it's a tough balance. And no, we had such a good time. Mm-hmm. I, I loved working with Rich on this and it felt that we, I felt like Tom and I were left very much to our own devices in lots of ways to kind of feel through the characters and how they were together but I think that had anything gone awry we definitely had someone there to say right we haven't got that go again so that's 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 the sort of balance you want yeah for sure I think honestly as a person I just respond to like honesty from the get-go it's like if someone's just honest and open no matter what role do you know what I mean like in, in any process it's like you're all pulling in the same direction when you're making something so it's like I look look for that in a director in the same way as I look for that in someone that, you know, is doing whatever. I don't know. Building a fence, <laughs> building a wall. I, a garden. I, 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 I felt like I was going to be really <laughs> offensive to someone, you know, somebody who brings me a coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does that happen? Like, everyone's got to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they made your bed, Tom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I can't believe yeah. that. Charlotte didn't get that. And they that. did it with real honesty. And you know, it was a real honest making of my bed. <laughs> when you said made your bed, you literally mean made your bed because we had to keep taking it apart and putting it back yes, together and we were filming there. <laughs> yeah. Why are you constantly knocking around my bed? Yeah. No, but I think, uh, like, to get back to the question, like, look, uh, just like an openness in a process. Like, I, I just love a creative process where you're around people, where you feel like you're collaborating with people, you feel like you're doing it together, mm. and you're solving a kind of puzzle at the same time in in the moment. And that's what's exciting. You're like, actually, I'm the act, like I'm the person that people are going to see, but there's all this group of people, and if you can feel like you're all doing it together and sort of kind of mm. piecing the puzzle together as you're moving forwards, yeah, and, and you do that kind of with care, then it just yeah. feels quite exciting. I also really loved just that because of the scale of the project, there was just so little distance between like all of us. Really, I don't mean sort of like physically. <laughs> I just mean like I mean even though physically we were in the house together all the time for ten days, but there, that because it was a because there was such a small crew and such a small cast and all in one place, there's just no, there's no, that distance that can sometimes be created Mm. with a bigger project where you get like emails across and you get this driven here and there. And like, you're not, it it can, it can kind of dilute it slightly in the concentration of, of being just all in it together all the time working on it um, made it really special, I think, and sort of added a intensity probably to the end product in a good way. You just yeah. don't have that much. There's just not that space in between stuff. It doesn't get yes. um, softened. Or anything. You're right. The difference yeah. between sort of indie and it, we'll call it studio or TV where it yeah, is, right. you know, you are looked after in a, in a different way. You know, you are separate from what's going on. Whereas yeah. here on an indie, most indie films, you can go down and watch if you want. On Walls of War, you know, the actors will come down all the time on Three Day Millionaire. The same. They just go, I want to watch today. And they stay yeah. on set. Whereas on telly, you know, sometimes that can happen on the big movies. It's a lot more difficult because someone's got to get mm. you there. They're worried about insurance. They're worried about what you're doing, how you're getting fed. Whereas on something like this, it's so intimate. You're a team. It's like, okay, yeah. let's just chill and support each other and give each other space as well, you know, and that's that's nice. You don't want to burn people out at the same time because it was so intense. You know, mm. we still ran longer on days that we wanted to. I don't think we got silly, silly, but at the same time, you've got to balance that on an indie film and think, you know, people are giving up their time to be involved in this project and create, you know, we spoke about this earlier, create that space where people can still let the emotions out because especially with some of the scenes that these guys were putting together, yeah. you know, we've got, we had 
one really big scene that that both of them had to be involved in. Emotional. And Charlotte had to do it twice because I wasn't happy with how we shot it. And and it was a, and it was and it's it was a di difficult difficult scene. And you're constantly having to think of like what's their emotional state at this time while mm -hmm. thinking about all the logistics around everything else. So yeah, it's I, th I think there's a there's a balancing act to it as well of being in that that involved in it, but but still giving people a tap to let off the yeah the, the yeah, steam as well. Sure. I love yeah. that. Let's, let's talk a little bit about that emotional side of it then. Knowing when you get the script, you're going to do these scenes. These scenes are coming up. They are emotional. They are. Oh. How do you work yourself up to that? Do you put yourself in a certain mind frame? Do you like to be on your own? Or can you just don't care and turn it on? It'd be really interesting for our directors out there to know how you deal with that. For me, I would try and sort of reflect on how I'm feeling in that moment or in the lead up to it and actually like allow myself to feel very vulnerable and intimidated even you know like by the things around me or by the situation or by whatever you know i said like in the lead up to filming i hadn't had a very not, i hadn't had a very easy lockdown my wife had been unwell and it had been really challenging for me and in a way it was a chance for me to just like allow myself to fully feel that and go like okay like i do have all these emotions in me and often in my life i try and hide them or mask them or laugh about them or be you know light-hearted or whatever that's my general character but then in moments like that you go actually i'm allowed to feel that and i'm allowed to feel those things in this moment so i will just let that happen trust that you know that will come across in some kind of way so yeah i guess in that moment but honestly as well it's the first time i had done I, I do a lot more kind of theatre acting than I do film. It was, so it was the first time I'd done anything like this on film. And I don't, I haven't told, I don't think I've told you Charlotte, but I like watched Charlotte loads in the lead up to those things. Like the way Charlotte was preparing herself, like was breathing differently, was doing lots of different things. And I was like, wow, this is fascinating. And just was essentially copying it. <laughs> you <laughs> so, were That's yeah. so funny because I was about to be like, I can't remember what I did. I thought you were going <laughs> to say I copied Tom and I saw him breathing like that. So I started breathing like that. It was an extended panic attack, honestly, for the whole day. And that's the healthy way to work. Yeah, that's yeah, the healthy yeah, way yeah. to work. Yeah. What about that's you, Charlotte? Really what's, what's your process then of get, trying to get into an emotional state? like that or an emotional state oh man i don't know like i really don't know i i think it it can be it's so hard because it's so much of it like depends on where you're at on the day and that can be so frustrating because some days i don't know if other i'd be so interested to know maybe you tom you can know about this but like if other actors feel this there's some days you're super sensitive and other days you're not and there's like it sometimes it's accessible and sometimes it's not and it could be like you slept really well or and i think the the sort of direct line to feeling to sort of getting to that place of, I suppose it's sort of sensitivity or whatever, but it just happened that a couple of the takes, I just think I could kind of, I, mean, I found it so genuinely, so genuinely awful, the story. And I have, I guess, enough of an, well, I think we both had an ability to kind of contemplate the reality of it enough that it was, it really sort of moved you. You couldn't help it really. But I think, yeah, just unfortunately for me, a lot of it was thinking pretty bad thoughts and, um, <laughs> You know, just like imagining the scenario for real, I suppose. And it kind of does, it's, I don't know. That's part of it. It's hard to say though. I don't remember breathing funnily, but maybe I did. No, honestly, and, and maybe I quite, was just observing you in a moment. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I don't know. And it is really, just sometimes you feel it and sometimes you don't. And it can be so annoying when you, when you can't get to that place. Mm. There was a nice thing though. I saw an interview of um, Adam Driver 
And he was like, your job is not to feel all the emotion, it's to just signpost towards the emotion. So you might do a scene where you think like, oh, I haven't been able to access it there. But you've done the exact right thing. And for people watching it back can really understand the emotion and they they can see that in you. So I think it's also like tricks like that in your head. It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm always trying to think of like tricks you can just say to yourself that just alleviate any pressures. Because if you can say, look, I don't, you know, it's not my job to see it, you know, it's my job to, to do my best. And then if, if it's not right, the director will say, but yeah. just like it, it, my job is to try and signpost an emotion and I'm going to do my best. And <laughs> yeah. sometimes it'll I be great and sometimes best. it won't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it, totally doing what you can with what you've got on the day is basically all you've got. I think you just have to do your best. You can absolutely drive yourself mad that you didn't get to the level you wanted to, or you didn't feel like you conveyed it mm. or whatever. And then at a certain point you have to accept you have what you have. And mm. if it, yeah, exactly. If if it works in the edit and it speaks to people, then that's, you know, then that's mm-hmm. speaks to people. Listen to me. I like sake. it. But it's also <laughs> about trusting the story as well, isn't it? And I have the story. Sometimes we can overdo things and sort of push what actually the story's already done that for. The audience have already working it out or they're finding things. And that's a fine balance, I think, for actors to know when to give that little bit of emotion or hold it back or not. Because what do the audience know? And if they know, you know, whatever the scene is and this has happened and this character might be cheating on that character. We know as an audience, you don't need to show it. And it's that that whole fine balance, isn't it? Or, or how much shall I cry? Would he not cry? I, I find it fascinating. And it's a, everything's a choice, right? It's between yeah. the actors and the director, usually on the set. What is the choice? I also think it's easy to forget how subjective mm-hmm. it is as a, some people, I remember going to see a play where it was, I think it was like, it was a Shakespeare play and someone's, the one where they cut out their tongues and lots of people die. And anyway, I remember there was a, there was a woman who re- responded to, to something that happened on stage and she responded in a certain way. And then I left it, the theater and I said to my friend, that was completely incredible. I was in tit, like I couldn't believe how much that moved me. And she was like, are you mad? That was so over the top. I would never do that <laughs> yeah. if it was me. And I was like, okay, this stuff's pretty subjective. It's subjective. Right. You are right. Mm. And that's, I think we were talking about that at the start of this podcast about reviews and it's all subjective and people will get it and love it and they'll get the connection of the lost daughter. And they'll love that. Other people will go, no, nah, it just bored me. It, it's, it's subjective and you've just got to deal with Who that. Who are those people? Who, that's fine. People are just shut idiots. them down. Yeah, shut them down. <laughs> They're cancelled. Uh, <laughs> I think I think that's tough as creators and performers to overcome that and sort yeah. of. Ju- but you've just got to do your own thing and your own journey. You've got to find it, and that's. I, and I, I I I love your performances in this film, and I can say I've said to Richard, I'm very proud of what he's done, but I'm very proud of what you two have done, and it's and, and the rest of the cast. It really is. It's super strong. That's why it's getting great reviews because it's cool as fuck great story and brilliantly acted and i think that's testament to your work really good thanks oh, thanks so kind very kind of, i wasn't prepared for that, wasn't prepared for for sure. that kindness. <laughs> well i think yeah most of the reviews have commented on the performances especially mm. of like the, the lead cast they've you know singled out that the performances and the that has brought the audience along with them it's it's not a case of a a story over substance that sits behind it. It, it it's it's not a sci-fi in that way it's if you don't believe the characters in the film it fails flat on its face if we mm-hmm. hadn't if we hadn't cast the right people this would have been a, a complete failure there's, there's, there's no doubt so if we i, I think there's no pressure <laughs> I think I said that after you on the, when we first spoke to you, so yeah. you've got to get it right. If you screw this up, this will be a failure. Yeah. <laughs> no, you didn't say that. 
Yeah. He didn't say that. It's not, not me at all. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The director can walk away and blame the actors. It's fine. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, There's a thing yeah. though. My, um, I do a lot of work in the theatre company and we, we remind each other often of like, you know, you can talk about things in sort of, you know, finding your truth and all this kind of stuff. But the it's kind of boils itself down to we are adults mess like pretending to be other people and like what a thrill of a job you know it's like you can't like you can't you lose can't beat sight it. of that yeah, yeah you really can mm. it's like you're doing the thing you did as a kid like all the time so like you 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 can get caught up but the only thing you're ever scared of i think is what people might think of you yeah. and like like what people would think of the thing you're pretending to do and it's like <laughs> well that's not me even you know they're not even judging me you know it's like, they Got don't even know me it's not me i am but a conduit i'm just a conduit so yeah. yeah guys thank you so much for joining us on the podcast tom charlie you're absolutely amazing and we really appreciate that you've taken the time to come and speak with Giles, myself, and of course, our lovely director, Richard Miller. Um, well done, and hopefully we'll be able to work together soon. Again. Thanks so much. Yeah, Thanks for brilliant. having us. Thank you so much. Cheers, lovely guys. Lovely to talk to you guys again. Take care. Have a great Thank evening. Nice you guys. Bye. Bye. So that was our amazing cast. I love it. I love it. That was nice. Yeah, they're great, aren't they? Didn't I feel nice? I think what's really lovely, and I think when we've done podcasts with cast before and done sort of these sort of wrap-up ones that me and Lucinda have been involved in, it's really nice to sort of come back together and actually realise that, oh God, that, that was great. That really was fun. And we all did get on and it felt really lovely and so nice. I'm proud of the work as that well. That sounded very special, actually, from Tom and, and Charlotte. And it mm. sounds to me like they're going to be lifelong friends, actually. I and agree. what a humble, humble man uh, Tom is. I mean, Charlotte, you know, humble all, equally. And they, they seem to uh, give so much to each other and to the project. And, yeah, wonderfully giving individuals. And great what they said about Nina and the rest of the cast. Amazing. The yeah, Lila as well. And just fun with all those guys to play and just get performances and uh, amazing. I love talking to actors and it's so nice to get that that connection and, and remember that you actually, you know, we all really got on and we've made a brilliant film together. But I wanted to talk to you about the filmmaking process itself for you, Richard, in terms of your day to day of it and your planning and your shot lists. What did you do? What's the way you got through the days? And I'm worried about, yeah, coverage, because it is just you and Grant, you know, kind of running around with the camera and, you know, telling Paul the sound, right, we're here now, we're here now, you know, uh, and Laura, talk us through that. You know, we, we had to put together a really tight schedule for this, and that was Kim's job up front to do that. You know, we, we've got, it's not to hide anything, we've got multiple um, timelines, the, 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 you know, telling the story of what happened before the daughter went missing and after. Mm. And we had to schedule the the whole process around making sure that sets were in a position where it looked like the past and it looked like present. So yeah. when, you, when you're putting that together in a schedule, that's an absolute nightmare because you've only got certain actors on site for a certain thing. So you're going to have to reset your whole set and that could take half a day. So there was an awful lot of planning on the, on the schedule, an awful lot of planning on that um, and again for when you had actors because we had a lot of people that could only be there for a day so the the, the pre-planning on on the, the schedule was like militant or almost on how we mm. put it together and even and even then you know things go wrong so you you know there were sets that we had to take apart and then put back together again and then um multiple times so i think the, the pre-planning was was essential for us and especially especially the schedule on it yeah i remember looking through that with you and sort of chatting that through in the script and working out how that, that we could streamline that and make that better because i think that's always the thing isn't it when you 
sort of set out to go, okay, I'm making this film, but then you go, well, how do I break this down into days? How do I go, okay, on this day we're shooting this and this, and and then you think you've got it, and then your actors come in and go, well, I can only do this day, or you can only get whoever on that day for your day players, or whatever, and you go, oh, and you move things around, but then that shifts that. So like you say, some days you're doing a room, especially in your house where it's a bedroom, and then the next thing it has to be, you know, uh, uh, the, the office space and or the university space. And I think that's fascinating, isn't it? That whole process of constantly moving and what's in your mind and how you as a director slash producer and writer have to have the whole film mapped out in your head so you can jump all the time because it's so difficult. And especially when you haven't got a continuity person. Indeed. <laughs> yes. Um, although, although I think we did quite well for continuity, although I, I look forward to seeing if anybody spots the pieces of equipment that are in the background in uh, multiple scenes. I'm, I'm looking forward to the idea. The fact that this is sci fi, you can get away with stuff like that in historical action. <laughs> yeah, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I'll, 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 let people, I'll let people know there is a piece, piece of equipment in the background in one scene. Mm-hmm. So let's see how many people, how many can find it. It's like, where's Wally? But yeah, um, exactly. it, it was just a really big challenge from the, from the scheduling perspective. But I think we did really, I think we did really well with it. And did you story? I mean, I know you showed me shot lists and stuff, and and I think you did some storyboarding. I remember seeing some sort of drawn images, but I think it kind of went out the window when you got to set. So talk me through that process and how you felt about that. Yeah. So so what we'd planned to do again, Grant lives like literally two streets away from me. So what we planned to do before COVID was make the film with himself and myself beforehand and do every single shot light it and do it because we had all we had, we had the luxury of doing it in you know our own location and be able to play with the lights and stuff we planned to do that and then covid hit us so we only got through a certain amount of scenes so after that it was well, it did turn into a more run and gun sort of thing on the day because we wanted to keep it live but what we wanted to do is not not block it too much we wanted to make sure our actors had had room to be able to move around the sets in a natural way mm. um, and, and see how that went on the day. Um, you know, there's, there's things that, we'll lear- that we've definitely learned on s- certain scenes we would block in the future because we know from the editing process afterwards, we wouldn't have forgotten to get that, we wouldn't have forgotten to get that. But in other instances, we would still leave room for play around. So again, COVID just really messed up how we wanted to to do it. But I think it still turned out it still turned out exactly how we would have liked um, without you know too much too much difficulty. But in the future, I'm, I'm never going to be somebody who's going to write draw everything on on paper because I can't com- I can't convert that in my head. I paint my awful stick drawings into. I'm the same. It's difficult. Um, I can do it with a shot list to make sure you haven't forgotten the shots, but mm-hmm. I, I just can't draw accurately enough. I'd rather you know because we are we can both use the camera just get our ugly mugs in front of the camera and then create mm-hmm. that shot in, ad- in advance and spend burn time on that because I think there's more value the way I work. So, and let's talk about then selling of the movie, something that, you know, like I say, people can go out and shoot something on their iPhone if they want or however you want to make a movie these days, you can go do it now. You have no real excuses not to go make a film apart from your own. So getting it sold is another thing. Raising money and getting it sold and seen around the world is very difficult. Um, obviously, it's done well in festivals, this film, but let's talk about getting it to 101 and Gravitas Ventures because, you know, two great companies, um, perfect for this film as well. Let's talk about that, Lucinda, as well, in terms of where we wanted to go to and why uh, and how important it is to approach in the right way. Well, it's also a project has to work for, you know, the sales representative that you're looking to engage and partner with. 
because some sales representatives focus on one particular genre, for instance, and others span lots of different genres. And I know that Richard, yourself, Giles, and myself, you know, we looked into several different companies and we had different meetings, didn't we, Richard? Obviously, I won't mention the other companies because we didn't partner up with those and and so we don't need to speak about them because we may work with them in the future because everybody, we liked a lot of the pitches that the sales agents were giving to us, but we felt, um, and I know, I, I think I went through the process with Richard a little bit more than yourself, Giles, and I think, yeah, the fit with 101, especially I've worked with 101 a lot, and I really like them, and I've got loads of other stuff that we're partnering on in the future, which is brilliant, and I think 101 were the best fit, Gravitas, which actually you approached did you approach them, Richard, or did they approach you? Because that came from your side of things, didn't it? Well, Cosmos, the film that Tom was previously in, was distributed by Gravitas, and I yes, didn't have a, I didn't have an in with them. So Giles seems to be able to open any door. So <laughs> I asked him to. Oh, so that was you, Giles. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. Yeah, I just went and opened the door. I think I think sometimes you've just got to do that as indie filmmakers when you're going. How will people see my film? Well, you've got to knock on the right doors and explain it in the right way so i did you know pitch it in the right way i'd also spoken to other filmmakers who'd worked uh with or for gravitas and so i'd already had the right ins to say the right name i'd already got the right connections i could then start my email with hey just spoke to so and so that you know they loved working with you here's what i've got right now i've also had these films out which does help so it's about that approach about being clever with how you're doing it and but you know we've got this film and it stars these people etc etc obviously it's really hard if it's an indie and it's shot with a camcorder and you've got your mate betty in it you know that it is much harder but at the same time we've made this indie film for very very little money micro budget money you'd you'd class this as uh, zero budget and yet we had some names in it and yet we've delivered a brilliant film richard has directed a brilliant film that is you know care and giving a shit and really working hard to make sure that your film is the best that it can be as richard said at the start surrounding yourself with the best people and something that giles and always and i always say is don't be afraid to ask if yeah. they say no so what man don't worry about it you know they said no what's it gonna we go back to the ego thing what's it gonna mm-hmm. do your ego okay mm-hmm. it's like you said richard you know it's it's the ego of being afraid to ask for support and help from other skilled individuals. So we've come all the way back round again, which is which is quite nice. So yeah, it's either going to open the door or it's going to slam back in your face. And what's it going to do? Nothing. But And in this case, the door opened fully and they were very keen to see the movie. And when they saw the movie, it was a case of, actually, we like this and we want to make an offer. And then it's about negotiation. So at that point, you've now got to kind of understand the distribution world. You've got to understand, you know, bankruptcy clauses and reserved rights and expenses caps and uh, delivery materials. You've got to understand all that. You really do. You've, You've got just to get your picked up a, an agreement that we've just come through from a sales agent that wants to rep one of our films, Giles. Is that right? <laughs> yes, it is. Might be right. But you do. And, and that takes a long time to learn that stuff. That's not easy. That's not a quick turnaround. And you get these contracts in front of you and it's frightening. And that's where you do need your lawyers. And sadly, the lawyers cost money, but you need them. Unless you know what you're talking about, you do need them. A lot of filmmakers do fall down at this point where distributors do know what they're talking about. And they're not ripping you off in a sense. They're not, you know, pulling the wool over your eyes. It's business. They're doing, they're, they're creating business here. So you've got to be on top of it and be a business person too in this in this film business. I think that's really important. Totally agree. We And as you know, we, we spoke about this really early on with Never Rumble. We got stung on our 
distribution for that and we never saw a, a penny come through mm. from from what we signed up for on that project so we wanted to be really mindful that we didn't have that again for this you know we, we actually at least made our money back on the on the film and uh, we're able to make something in the future which is exactly what it's about and because we we sold the movie it's already made its budget back richard is that correct yeah, it has made its budget back yeah Whee! see already from an indie film like this it's now made its money back which is great for rich and moving forward and making his next film and uh, the success of this is incredible it just is and you're gonna love this film it is called repeat i will repeat that it is called repeat and it is out now go support this fantastic indie film links will be in the show notes uh it's out in america on friday so rich some final bits of advice for indie filmmakers what did you learn what was your biggest takeaways from making this brilliant movie just ask questions and don't be afraid to go out and just keep asking people do you want to be involved um not just knock on as many doors as possible because lucinda's just said it before me you know what's the worst that's going to happen to you what is the mm -hmm. you know the and, and you said it earlier as well you know if you're afraid to go and actually start even putting your hand on the door to open it then you're never going to get anywhere and i think it's you will be surprised well, what you can achieve by just asking questions or messaging me on Twitter. I'm not suggesting everyone does that. I'm saying it worked in this case. <laughs> oh, no. oh no! Don't look at your day. He made the day, you know. So look, yeah, this has been so much fun. It's been a real lovely deep dive into the making of this film. Uh, Charlotte and Tom are amazing as well. Uh, do go follow them. And speaking of which, where can people find Repeat on the socials, Richard? At Repeat Movie on uh, Twitter. And I love the, the fact you had to look that up. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> it's because somebody went and bloody stole it, didn't they? There were loads of people who stole stuff already. And probably repeat isn't the best thing for search optimization, but I have to keep There that is that. And that's actually something that is important in filmmaking as well, is the title. It really is, you know? Yeah. People do have to search for it. <laughs> De definitely. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, not the easiest one to, to have, have for that, but we wanted to stay true to what we wanted for this. And, you know, there's good reason for keeping it this is as the title and it being strong Great. but yeah at, at repeat the movie and uh same for instagram and i think it's repeat movie on facebook as well and there is a website uh repeatmovie.com yeah there you go and you can follow me at charles alderson lucinda you can follow me at lucinda r thapra on twitter and at pick Perth movies on instagram if not just Google, you'll find it. Oh, big time. Big time. <laughs> just just put BAFTA nominee in. <laughs> oh, no. Stop it. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Remember, you can go out there and make your indie film. You can do it just as Richard has done. Remember who your audience is. Go out there, ask questions as Richard has done. And if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, Lucinda, it is your duty to send that lift back down. Woohoo! For the Americans Elevator. Uh, thank you, Richard. You've been a star. Appreciate your time. Thanks very much. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next Tuesday, as always. Until then. <gasps> Wait. We'll see you next Tuesday, where it is our 250th episode of the filmmakers podcast whoop, whoop. all that free information for you go to the filmmakerspodcast.com and listen to our back catalog of oh, 249 of these mother <laughs> oh i need to give this up soon uh, right thanks for your time guys we will see you next week bye bye, bye. <laughs>